0: Welcome to the Common Sense Connections app audio education series. We encourage you to listen carefully to the success and leadership principles discussed in this audio. They have enabled countless independent business owners, just like you, to build a successful business and have a full and balanced life. Welcome. Welcome to Cleveland, Ohio. I, that should have come from the first time, right, from the very early morning, but I'm going to welcome you now. Welcome to Cleveland, Ohio. I like living in Cleveland. I like the fact that we have a lot of diverse nationalities in Cleveland. Gary and I in the summer go um, a lot of times to some of the festivals around, so we enjoy doing that. But one of the really fun things that we like to do also is when we meet people to show them the business, we meet at a different place all the time, but a lot of times we go to this little bakery on the east side of Cleveland. It's called Davis Bakery. And Davis, if you've met it, met us at Davis, I see you guys. Davis Bakery uh, is a Jewish bakery. And they have some of the best Jewish rye bread during the holidays. And there are a lot of Jewish holidays. They have a lot of um, different things. Mandel bread, which is like so good. Tastes like almond and uh, chocolate. And they have uh, hamantashens. You know hamantashens? Hamantashens, that's right. And we just came through a holiday that they celebrate that they um, have hamantashes. And so I was thinking, well, this is no better time than to tell this story, because it's one of my favorite stories. And um, I think it really has a lot to do with where we are as a country, where we are as a business. And I thought I was going to tell you guys the story of Esther. So our story begins in the year 483 BC. It's the third year, reign, and king Xerxes. His real name, Ahasrush, would be um, his Hebrew name, but Xerxes would be his, his Persian name. So Xerxes was a ruler of 127 provinces which spanned from Ethiopia to India. That was the great Persian empire. At this point, Greece was the only country that he didn't have, and he wanted it bad. It was the only thing that wasn't under his power. So Xerxes held a military summit, that lasted for six months, and what he wanted to do was build all of their confidence up that they were going to go in and they were going to be able to take Athens, and um, and Greece would be part of that Persian Empire also. Well, in anticipation of his victory, he had a week-long extravagant celebration, and it was held in the garden courtyard. Now, this was just stunning. Everything was so beautiful, and all, all the people that were there were the nobles and the military officers. There were the princes. They were all there. And everybody that lived in the citadel of Susa was there, whether they were great or small. They all attended. So the majesty and the splendor of the gardens was just amazing, and everybody had their own golden chalice to drink from. And no two of them were alike. And the wine just flowed. I mean, just anything went. All the king's wealth was on display because he wanted to make sure um, that they knew that he had the power behind him to take Greece well there was another banquet that was going on and this banquet was just for the women and it was given by the queen Queen Vashti and Queen Vashti was a beautiful beautiful woman well she called for uh, she called for the queen and now this was like after seven days of drinking and partying, and he was a bit inebriated, and he asked the king, the queen to come and put her crown on and her royal robes and come and display herself in front of all of, um, all of the military and all of these people, and the queen said what any good woman would say, no way, I'm not doing that, I'm not coming, right? So, but that's not the right thing to say to the king, and the king had a terrible, terrible temper, so the king said, what do I do? I mean, he was mad, she's not coming. And so he turned to his advisors, who were, well, I'll let you decide what they were. So he turned to his advisors, and he said, what am I going to do? The queen won't come. And and he was so mad. And they they said to him, well, this just, this can never be. The queen has to come. I mean, all the women are going to think that they could say to us whatever she says to you. So she didn't just offend you. She's offended the whole 127 provinces. Anything that that she thinks is okay, our wives are going to think the same thing. She's got to go. She's got to go. So she did. And that was the end of Vashti. We never hear from her again. Now the king started to miss Vashti. So maybe a couple months, maybe a year, went by, and he missed her. So he didn't know. He thought about her and kind of pined for her. And so his advisor said, well, we have an idea. Why don't we send out into all the provinces um, some of our eunuchs and have them come back with the prettiest girls in all the provinces? You can decide which one of those women will be queen. So that's what they did. Now, there was a really beautiful young woman in one of the provinces, in Susa, actually, right there. And her name was Esther. Now, Esther was a Jewish exile, and she was an orphan girl, and she um, was raised by her cousin. Her cousin's name was Mordecai, and Mordecai raised her, and he was a Jewish exile also, and he had a position at the king's gate. So Mordecai, um, he thought, he would let his, his beautiful niece, his beautiful cousin, you know, that she would be a good person to, maybe, you know, maybe they'd look at her and maybe they'd want her, and they absolutely did. Now, we really don't know exactly what happened and how that happened, but Esther was chosen, and she was chosen to go and be one of 400 women that was going to be able to um, have a chance to meet with the king and to be to be queen. Esther was a poor Jewish girl. She was an orphan. She didn't have a mother. And she didn't know all the all the things that a girl would know and be taught from her mother. So Esther. Although she was humble and beautiful, she didn't have a lot of opportunity in life. But all of that was about to change for Esther. Sometimes for us, like for Esther, we don't always have opportunities. The opportunities that Esther had came disguised became disguised as obstacles. What if the obstacles in your family are actually opportunities for your family to grow closer? What if the obstac- obstacles in your business were opportunities for you to be more profitable than ever? What if the obstacles are really just opportunities for us to learn and to grow and to develop the skills that we need to lead and teach others? Esther didn't know it, but she was on a fast track to leadership in the king's palace. Well, Mordecai instructed her, whatever you do, don't tell them you're a Jew. So that's what she would do. She would keep that secret. Esther gained favor. She gained the favor of Haggai. Haggai was the eunuch. And so he looked at her and he just there was something about her. People skills. She had people skills. So he thought, you know what? I'm gonna help this girl. I think the king would like her and I'm gonna push her. I'm gonna I'm gonna do everything I can for her. He gave her those beauty treatments. He made sure she was the first one to get them. He put her in a special spot in the harem that she was, um, she had seven maids, and she was away from all the palace gossip, because he knew the king wouldn't like gossip. He gave her all the opportunity that he could. And she listened. She listened intently. And he continued to show her favor. A funny thing happens when you don't make a practice of listening to people, they find others who will. Esther had a mentor in the palace, and she was careful. She was careful to do all that he told her. Every lady, every young lady, had one night that she could spend with the king. That was it. She went in to the king and she could take whatever she wanted, but she just had one night. And then uh when she did, she went back to the harem. Either he wanted her or he didn't. That was it. When Esther's turn came, she took only what Haggai had advised her to take. That was all. Nothing else. The king loved her more than any other. He put a royal crown on her head. There was a great celebration. There was a huge feast, and the holiday went throughout all the province. Esther kept the secret of Mordecai. No one knew she was still a Jew. Now a certain prince named Haman promoted to a position of authority by the king. And the king commanded all the servants to bow down to whoever was in authority, and that would be Haman. Well Mordecai was a Jew and he would not bow down to he would not bow down to anybody, and that really made um, Haman mad. I mean, he just was livid. And he had some bad blood with uh, the Jews anyway from the family way back. He was out to destroy Mordecai. But he wasn't going to just destroy Mordecai. He was going to destroy all of the Jews. So Haman went to the king. And he said, there's a certain people scattered throughout the provinces. Their laws are different. They don't adhere to the king's laws. And it's not in the king's best interest to let them remain. Well, the king trusted Haman. He trusted him. So he put out a decree that Haman wrote. And the decree went out to 127 provinces. And it says, on the 13th day of the 12th month of Adar, the people are able to rise up and annihilate all of the Jews, both young and old, children, women, everyone. Every one of them and take everything they have for plunder. The king signed it. He signed this edict and he signed it with a signet ring. And what it meant in those days is when they signed it with a ring, that it was as good as done. I mean, there was no way to overturn that. What was to be done? Well, the citadel was in an uproar. The Jews had been living in this land peacefully. They had friends. They had family. The king's edict was irreversible. There was nothing that can be done. Mordecai sat in sackcloth at the gate. Everyone was just and all the provinces just beside themselves. These were their friends, their neighbors. How could this be? Well, one day Esther looks out and she sees Mordecai, and he's he's um, he's um in sackcloth and ashes, which was a custom at the time because he was just so, uh, he was just so beside himself about what to do, and what to do for his people. And so she sent him some clothes, and she said, you know, with one of the eunuchs. Take this to my cousin and tell him to change his clothes. I mean, what's wrong? What's wrong? So Mordecai sent back a copy of that edict and he said that, you know, we are going to be destroyed. She was so distressed. There was deception in the palace. Things seemed normal. I mean, Haman, he's always been a bit slimy, but I mean, how could You have believed him? How could her husband believe him? How could he have done that? How could he annihilate so many people, any people? How could he do that? Who could she trust? What could she do? Can one person really save a nation? Like today. there's kind of deception in our world, right? White is black. Black is white. Right is wrong. Wrong is right. You live your truth. I'll live my truth. What happened to the truth? Who can we trust? What can we do? Can one person really save our nation? There was deception. Well, Mordecai sent a message back, and he said, "Um, I need you to go to to the king. You need to go to the king, and you need to tell him what's happening. These are your people. If I go to the king, he'll kill me. And he said, Who knows that you weren't brought to the kingdom for such a time as this? So she thought about that, for such a time as this. Maybe that was the reason. Maybe that's the reason this poor Jewish girl was now queen of this whole empire. So she said, okay, I want you to go back, and I want you to tell Mordecai to get all the Jews together in Susa, and I want them to fast for three days. Three days and three nights, they eat nothing. And I and my maids will do the same. So, And then I'll go to the king. And if I perish, I perish. So three days went by. And Esther got all the courage together that she could. She put on her best robe and her golden crown, and she she just got all the courage she could muster up, and she stood in the entry of the court. And she looked across that court, and she caught the king's eye. And I bet her heart was beating. I bet it was pounding, and her hands were sweating. And uh, is he going to let me live, or what's going to happen? And he looked at her, and his heart melted. His heart melted and he saw her and he gave her a nod and she approached him and he held out that golden scepter and she put her finger on that scepter and he said, What is it? What is it, Queen Esther? Anything, anything you want, up to half the kingdom. And she said, Well, she thought, what I would like I would like you and Haman to come to a banquet that I've prepared for you today. Can you do that? Would you come to a banquet I've prepared? The king said, Why, well, of course of course, I'll come to a banquet. And he said, go, go get Haman. And the queen left. And she went back to her own quarters and she had prepared a wonderful banquet for the king. Actually went and got Haman for the king. And so they went to the banquet. And he came back and he saw Queen Esther and all the beauty around her. And he said to her, you know, tell me, Queen Esther, what is it that you want anything up to half the kingdom? And she said, I want... I want, I want you and Heyman to come back tomorrow for another banquet that I'm going to have. She was strategic. She didn't just say, "I want," and tell him everything that was going on. Something was up. Something gave her pause. Just like sometimes in our lives, right? Just something tells us, "Don't say it. Don't say it." And a lot of times, you know, Gary and I almost never fight, but every once in a while, if we do. I hear that little voice, don't say it, don't say it, and I know, you know what? I ask him another time, tell him another time or whatever, don't say it. But she heard that, that little voice, don't say it. So she didn't. And she said, Why don't you and Haman come tomorrow? And then I'll tell you what it is that I want. The king couldn't sleep. He couldn't sleep, so he called um he called for the annals of the historic all the historic pages of everything that had happened for years and years that, that had happened, but he wanted particularly things that happened during his uh time. During his time as king. And while he's reading, he discovers that Mordecai had disclosed a plot to assassinate him. And nothing never was done for Mordecai. I mean he wasn't given any uh any kind of honor, nothing happened. And so he he um could sleep. He thought, I've got to do something for Mordecai. I don't know what I'm going to do for him. So he heard something out, out in the palace, and he, it was Haman. And he said, Haman, come in here. And he said, what should be done for the man to honor a man who's done something wonderful for the king? And Haman, thinking he was talking about him, said, well, I think what you ought to do is put him in your royal robes and put him on your horse and have one of your nobles, one of your finest princes, lead that horse up and down the streets and say, this is what's done for the man to honor that the king wants to honor. And the king said, that's a great idea. I want you to do that for Mordecai, the Jew that sits down at the gate. Oh, man, he was like, okay. He was furious in his mind. I mean, not for Mordecai. How humiliating. How humiliating that he was going to have to go up and down like this. So he said he would do it. He went and he did it. He he um, took Mordecai. And when Mordecai, he went up and down, up and down the streets and gave a parade for him, basically. And people cheered all his friends, although they probably couldn't imagine what was going on because there was this Jewish man that they wanted to, to kill. They were going to be annihilating, and why are we honoring him? What is happening? And Mordecai went back and sat at the gate, and Haman went home. So Haman went home, and when he got there, he was furious. He's like, you know, I just, I just can't, I can't deal with this anymore. I can't wait until the day that we're going to annihilate them. But what I'm going to do is, I'm going to build a gallows. I want a gallows built here. I'm going to hang Haman on the gallows. I'm not going to wait for that. So his wife says, I don't know. I mean, I think that maybe you're just doing the really wrong thing here. I think this is somebody that really is just, the king is honoring him. Is this what you really want to do? I don't know. He said, that's what I'm going to do. We're going to hang him. So the next day, they built the gallows, and just in that amount of time, they sent for Haman to come to the queen's banquet. So he goes to the queen's banquet, and he meets the king is there, and, and uh, everything is just as beautiful and wonderful as it was the day before. The, the king says to Esther, Esther, what is it that you want? Tell me now, my queen, anything, up to half the kingdom, and it's yours. And Esther said, it's this, I'm our people, I need you to help me. Someone wants to kill us. They want to kill me. They want to kill all of my people. And... It's it's just awful. It's just terrible. And if it was just that they were going to make us slaves, I would say that's okay. But it's not just slaves. It's that they want to kill us. They want to annihilate us. And the king said, Who? Who is it that wants to do this? And she said, That man. That man there, Haman. That's awful Haman. He's the one who wants to kill us. And the king was just beside himself. And he walked out into the garden gate, and then he realized when he was walking out in the garden that He's the one that had signed that decree, and that it couldn't be—it um, couldn't be turned around. And so Haman was—Haman had gotten the best of him on that. But the king was like, We're, "We've got to do something." And he came back in, and he—and Haman was like begging—he was begging Esther, "Please, please, you know, don't let them kill me. I know the king's going to kill me." And when the the um, king walked back in, and he saw him just like falling all over the floor on the couch he said are you going to even assault my wife right here in her chambers just as he said that somebody came up a eunuch came behind him and just dropped a cloth over his head and he he said what are we going to do and he said Haman has a gallows that is being built at his house and he wanted to hang Mordecai on the gallows Mordecai the one who saved you and he said take him take him and hang him on the gallows they took uh, Haman and they hung him on the gallows and now what could be done right what could be done because they still had um, they still had an edict that was out so the king said I will give all of my land all my property I want to go to Queen Esther and of course Esther gave it to her cousin Mordecai and then he said to her you can turn this whole thing around if what we do is put out another edict And the edict will say that all of the Jews on that same day can rise up and fight back. And on that day, on that day, there were people killed. I mean, it's not that nothing happened. There were people killed. But there were 75,000 enemies of the Jews that were killed. It's told that in those provinces, everybody just kind of backed off in a way, unless they were enemies at that time. If not for one Jewish orphan girl, and the courage to believe that her life had a purpose, and she was in the palace for such a time as this, the story would have a whole different ending. One person changed the destiny of a nation. Think what we can do together. I believe we're here for such a time as this. We've got a crazy world going on, but I believe together there's a lot that we can do. So now today, we like I said, we love going over to um, love going over to Davis Bakery and love going at Purim because they make the best hamantaschen. And so I want you to remember this story. Gary and I ordered some hamantaschen, and they're going to come and pass them out today, so everybody gets one. Purim is celebrated every year, and we're going to say about March, about sometime in March, and it's custom for them to have a wonderful celebration. Cleveland has a large Jewish community, mostly on the east side of Cleveland. So if Gary and I uh, happen to stop in at Costco, we'll see racks and racks of little princess dresses for all the parties that they have. They celebrate this holiday with a ho- this day with a holiday called Purim. And Purim um, means lots. It's lots because they hold lots to decide on which day that they would go. They read the book. They read the story of Esther, and they make a lot of noise. And when they tell the story and they talk about Haman, everybody goes, boo, boo, and hisses, right? So it's a wonderful story, and I hope you guys remember it. Thank you, guys. This audio series was created to help you with personal development, professional development, and gaining the skills to build a sustainable business. While certainly no one can guarantee success, it is our hope that the principles and ideas discussed here will enable you to experience the thrill of accomplishment and offer your life greater significance and enjoyment. This is a copyrighted program, the purchase of the program is optional, and any unauthorized reproduction or a broadcast of this digital media without express written consent is strictly prohibited. All rights are reserved.